Okay, William, 10 minutes before kickoff, the wind seems to have changed direction, but the sun's come out. We're back, ladies Yeah, we had a shower a little while ago just to welcome Glasgow back to the sports ground. Uh, 30 second special. Um, places filling up, people are talking about last season, wondering about this season. So there's a great buzz around here. Glasgow just walking off the pitch there. 14 weeks ago today was the big day in Edinburgh. We've reveled in that, but I suppose now we have to park it very slightly and get ready for, for the forthcoming season. Connacht just going on their final run to come off the pitch. So that's going to defeat my voice in a minute. But a big, big day out of us. Okay, William, it's um, 19 minutes, 13 seconds gone. Connacht are losing five points to nil. Try by Tommy Seymour. We've been a bit scrappy. One brilliant piece of play from Nee. Um, lost the line out from five metres out, but uh, real start to the season stuff. Yeah, it's very much start of the season stuff. They haven't been accurate enough, Connacht. They've dropped the ball, they've knocked it on. There's been players slightly out of position. Uh, it's what you'd expect, really. Glasgow playing a much more direct game. We've tried to move the ball around uh, on a very windy but sunny evening here. And it's it's OK, but they'll be disappointed with the try. They, they, they lost possession inside the Glasgow uh, 22. And Glasgow sort of went the length of the field. And we had a couple of chances to stop stop them in midfield and they just slipped out of the tackles so it was it was a slightly frustrating one it's woken us up a little bit but our accuracy levels have got to come up markedly we are playing against a very strong crosswind and I think in the second half how you use that will be crucial I think so and our scrum is going very well and it seems to have put them under a lot of pressure so um, hopefully things will improve by half time and we'll chat then OK, William, it's 13-5 to Glasgow at half-time. Another try from Tommy Seymour, as well as a penalty from, um, I think, I can't remember who kicked that penalty, sorry. Um, we got a great try from Nee Adia Loken, but they're taking their chances and we aren't. Yeah, they've been very clinical. They've had a couple of opportunities and they've taken them. And um, it's, it's a decent enough lead. It was really, I was rather hoping that Connor would get to half-time without a further score. Uh, it's an inexperienced backline, and in the defence for Connacht a couple of times they've been found wanting. They'll get an opportunity now to reset that. We have a history of being a second-half team, and we're going to have to be that just now. Yes, and of course they had a man in the bin when we scored, but they did they did level up that. So the Sinbin and was five all as well. So yeah, a lot of work to do in the second half. Hopefully we'll uh, see a bit more life and accuracy from Connacht. Okay, William, it's uh, 58 minutes and 56 seconds, and the score is a barely creditable 27 points to 5 with a conversion still to come to Glasgow. We're, we're getting massacred. Yep, uh, I think probably knew it was going to be difficult, but it really has been a bit of a traumatic second half. The errors of the first half have been compounded, lack of accuracy, dropping balls, missing tackles. And Glasgow have just played extremely well. They've played a very basic game and they've ground it out. We haven't really been at the races and it's uh, it's a probably it's possibly what being champions is all about because teams are going are gonna go for you. They seem to have targeted us at the breakdown and they've worked the nine ten channel very hard on us, so we just have to hope now that we uh, don't let this slip to a, 
a bigger defeat. It's hard to see many positives coming out of this. Yeah, sorry, apologies. It's 32-5 with a conversion to come. Sorry, I didn't raise that and updated the score. Uh, so it's even worse than we looked. And I'd say he'll make this conversion because Pergas has been hitting them well. Wow, what a start to the season. Not what we expected. And there's still 20 minutes to go. <laughs> Okay, William, that's a highly depressing final score of 41 points to 5. Not much we can take out of that. Nope, there's nothing to take out of that, really. Uh, we knew it would be difficult. And I expected Glasgow to play very well, but they they just were far too accurate, far too strong, and they made us pay for all our mistakes, and we made plenty of them. And Connacht now know exactly what the job that they have to do. And really that work will begin on Monday morning. The air's well and truly gone out of the balloon. And they'll have to show now the sort of strength that they had last year to become champions. Well, they're now going to have to find it very, very quickly to, to get ready for the Ospreys next Saturday. Exactly, exactly. They're just leaving the field, the clan, the hardcore are still here cheering them off but uh, they look incredibly dejected we'll talk again in a few minutes it's the post game section of the podcast and before we bring in your two craggy in the stand crew members who've just taken you through a disastrous 41 points to 5 defeat for Connacht let's bring in the new people to the podcast or someone who we heard before the game anyways Dave Finn I have a thumping headache Kind of got a thumping there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to find the silver lining, and it is well, it can't get any worse, really. I mean, if it, and if it and, and if it does, then we've got bigger issues than we just lost by 40 points to Glasgow. But at the moment, uh, what can you do? What can you do? Just, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. I mean, it's hard to believe a team that played with such precision and consistency last year can be that poor. But then again, we do see it in rugby sometimes. Well, it was very deflating, wasn't it? I mean, here you are, the first match of the season. You know, the semi-finalists facing up against each other. Sky Sports supposedly sellout crowd, but in fact, it wasn't on the, on on the afternoon. By the look of it, there's only six thousand people here, which was a little bit disappointing as well. But that said, I, I presume one can point to the fact that there was a lack of pre-season matches. One match in Montpellier is probably not not sufficient One to... behind closed doors against Sale and something yes. against Clontarfie. Yes, and I think... I, I, I don't know the reasoning for it, and Pat Lamb says that, you know, they had a couple of teams pull out or whatever. I think that showed definitely on the pitch. And you've got to look at players like... Uh, Nipia Fox Matamua has not played a game in a year. This is his first... This is his first competitive match. Jack Carty hasn't played a game for six months. Mm-hmm something like that first competitive match back I, I, I Dennis Buckley had a, had a good four or five month spell before he played absolutely Since and played they time. looked like a team that had not played together on a, at, 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 a, at a high level for, for quite some time loads of half breaks let's bring in the lads William loads of half breaks loads of sparks in that first half passes not going to hand the one most people remember is Bundiaki who looked at Keen Keller but didn't give him the ball it's just spark wasn't there well, the accuracy wasn't there, and once that went, they they capitalised on it. Um, I would nearly say that was an embarrassing performance, and I think they will be very embarrassed by it, and they'll be very angry about it. And all they can do is analyse where it went wrong and try to come back from it. 
they yeah. they won't hide from that. It's it's not their it's not the way they do things. But forty one five as champions is almost the worst possible case that you could have written. I suspect Glasgow were the favourites coming in here today. Um, but nobody would have seen that sort of a thumping coming. Well, predictions, Alan, said Connacht were going to slip to sixth. We kind of discussed, that's five teams that are suddenly going to be better than Connacht based on the fact that they're champions last year. A lot of those people who are predicting that would feel they might have overestimated Connacht in this because people are going to just look at this and say, that's it, Connacht were one-hit wonder. The neutrals, the far-out neutrals. Yeah, but like that's it was our first game of the season. Our first, We didn't even get a pre-season game, mm, a proper so one. Like, be, if yeah. you're looking at Montpellier three weeks ago and we thought we did well because we scored three tries and you know that yeah. was really good for us because they were just about to go and get into the top 14 they've lost the first two games so <laughs> you know they're, they're, they're bottom of the French League or joint bottom of the French League with Grenoble who lost again today unfortunately um, so yeah I thought, I thought we looked very flat I thought there was a little bit of almost like a little bit of look at us aren't we this great it wasn't a realisation that the work the work ethic that used to be there so he only slipped off a few percent, but that's all mm. it takes is for it to slip off the a few fear percent. Maybe as well that they used to have in certain fixtures against Leinster at home, Glasgow home. They came into those two games against Glasgow home. We were fearful. How are we going to stop this machine? This game we came in against Glasgow thinking. Well, yeah. the, and of course the other thing is that Glasgow had this on their minds from the moment the final whistle went in the semi-final. This was, and you could tell they, they were out warming up for over an hour. Those guys were seriously, seriously up for this game, and it played like that. They Everything looked, about they looked it like is. they were ready. Yes. And I think Connor didn't look like a team that was ready for competition. Yeah, and they they got stung in the second half, in particular first seven minutes. I don't think we touched the ball of the second half. That is. No, we did. We kicked it to them. <laughs> and then we, there's a the slight narc thing about. I mean, they, there should have been a penalty straight from the kickoff because Keller was taken out in the air. But then, but then we did something equally. So we kicked the ball back, and then we took out their guy in the line out, and then we couldn't defend them all. And it's things that we were good at last year. We didn't. We didn't take players out in the air. We didn't. We defended malls. And it's just a lack of, yes. There's a, they were ready, and we quite clearly weren't. It, it's that was remember, that's the performance we put in in the preseason friendly last year against Grenoble. Against Grenoble, we were we, we everything that was wrong. Everything that went wrong in the Grenoble game last year happened today. There was there was a lack of effort. There was a lack of there was a lack of leadership. There was a lack of of. of Accuracy. The problem was is that at least in the Grenoble game, there were no points on the table, and though automatically we're down, we're minus four in last season in terms of just purely on points. If you want to look at it from that perspective, but in terms of psychology, we've deflated the fans, we've deflated the players, and we've given a boost to everybody else. So they'll go, oh look, it was, and we were back. The thing you said about people thinking we're one season wonder, they're genuinely going to think that now, and we've put ourselves on the back foot for that. I wouldn't say you deflated the players. I think it's probably a good kick up. That's what I think for the players. Yeah, it's really it's, embarrassing it's, 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 for them initially, but it's not like it, I don't think they'd be deflated by it. I think I think they're going to have a very tough week next week. And as Pat Lamb said afterwards, they are these are fixable things. There's you know that's what he says. They're fixable, and I would imagine that they will have a tough week to fix those things up. I think the first half, if you look at it, the first half, I thought Connett were well in the game. You had to look at it. They actually played the better rugby in the first half. That's what I'm thinking as well. And And if you get two tries in that, it's one of those games where grand, like last year, one of those games where we don't have a lot of territory, you don't have a lot of ball, but here we are right in the game with three tries. Yeah, and I think you also have to remember that there are so many new partnerships there. Mm. Like, I mean, you know, Bundy threw a couple of passes, missed passes out there. It's possible that he hasn't formed that, you know, that, that 
close relationship yet with with Keller, um, probably, yeah. w- and well, also and also with uh, Griffin. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of as Pat would say work-ons, um, and I wouldn't be too disheartened by it. It's just as, as I said, opening match Sky Sports. Glasgow and the nature of the loss. I mean, it was a very long, it was yeah. a very long eighty minutes. Yeah, it was a very long last twenty minutes to try and commentate on. Well, so we and watch, but yeah, you had twenty-four turnovers. You, you can't win a match at twenty-four turnovers at home. You know, they had sixty percent possession. They had sixty percent, sixty fifty-three percent possession, and sixty percent territory. We were at home. We just didn't look and play like a team at home. And in the second half, the stats in the second half, like they had second half territory of seventy-three percent. Mm-hmm. You know, playing into I'm playing into breezy, breezy. Peter O'Reilly said a good, asked a good question to uh, Pat Lambert. He just said, you know, you've lost a player from each line of the team that played in uh, Murrayfield last year. I thought it was a good point. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, seven changes, I think, in total. Uh, Ali Muldowney would have made a huge difference out there in the lineout and in midfield. Uh, and I accept all the stuff about not having warm-up games and whatever, but it, it's the fuel that it gives to other teams coming here that is my concern I mean Ospreys are going to watch that and think yeah and we've already look when you're the champions every side wants to come and sock it to you even poor sides are going to get revved up because this is our chance to get a bit of publicity for ourselves by beating the champions so they've they've set themselves up now and they're going to have to work incredibly hard to, to pull this round next Saturday now is a massive game yeah but um, they also know William the flip side of that is they also know that it's there it's in them they know that a lot of the moves McCartney if he had used the overlap in the second half we might have had a try in the corner if Aki had just clicked with Keller we got a try coming there they know that if they click early on that game a couple of those come off they start to believe it very quickly well, no I don't think they won't believe uh, even after this they, 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 they'll get a they'll get a rollicking and they'll get severe analysis of what they did wrong um, but it's 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 just a salutary lesson that sport is very very hard and can sometimes be very very cruel 14 weeks ago we were on top of the world and this is the this is the flip side of it and it's how you come back from that mm-hmm. it's not actually t- today has happened it's what you do going forward seven days to deal with that here's pat lamb in the press conference afterwards Pat Lamb, there's just no way to say it other than that's a huge disappointment to start the season. Like, oh, without a doubt, um, you know we were just a little off our game. Obviously, like we played when we played them last time, we know what a quality side they are. And I said it before the game: two teams like to express themselves, and you know we prided ourselves last time around how we keep the ball. And uh, there's no doubt we struggled today to keep the ball, which meant we spent lots of time on defence and against uh, a pretty strong, potent team. And um, and then once uh, they, they, they built the score, then at about the 40 or 50 minute mark, it was chase the game. And you got two options. Uh, if you chase the game, there's the, you'll either catch them or you'll, uh, it could blow out. And it blew out purely because we, we dropped the ball again. And, and when you have, as we've been on the other end of it, if you, when your uh, team's trying to chase it, there's chances to play. So it's just a big learning. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, if it's, it's um, you know, one of the ones that I always say that the good times you know, won't change your characters, moments like this. And probably the last time we've had a blowout like this is when we played Edinburgh my first year. And uh, you know, we came back the following week and beat Toulouse. And 
um, uh, there's no doubt everyone's determined to uh, to tidy things up, and, and they're all fixable. How disappointed are they in there? And like in terms of their own mistakes, are they? Do they really feel they fell well below what they're what they're capable of with ball in hand? Like oh, I think it's obvious. Mm. You know, we we have, we've set ourselves standards and we didn't reach them today. And but I will say this: we went far off. I mean, we, you know, when we we, we when we started off, we we broke them a couple of times. But then again, you just it only takes one, you know, someone to lose the ball. And um, it can become frustrating. I think we went from one end to the other, and then all of a sudden, as one example, we lost the ball to the ruck and we're kicking the ball, and you have Stuart Hogg chasing and Dennis Buckley's you know, chasing down that end. So it was one of those games. And then again, when we got to the after you know three tries, four tries ahead, we just had to chase it, and um, we didn't come off well because we just didn't look after the ball. But uh, as I said at the start, we're just not quite on our game there, but it's all fixable. Defensively as well, misreads in defence and key moments. Yeah, again, because you're, you're playing in transition, you know, when you're playing in transition. And there was certainly the first two drives, there was a trust issue, you know, there was, uh, you know, we didn't push, we didn't stay together, which is when we defend well. You know, one going in, one holding, not someone, you know, so those are things we identified at half time. And um, uh, again, the, we got some good things we can train this week, you know, and we need to because we know what's coming next week. Osprey's got us to a flyer. And uh, you know another team that's uh, you know that's angry from last year and uh, determined. So uh, it's a real character building stuff. This one. They've had a couple of more preseason games than us. It's going to be a bit of a factor in some people's analysis, anyway. Oh, but yeah, I mean we, we, we you, you got to control what you can. You know, we didn't. We we planned to have just, you know, three games. We didn't. But I think the biggest one you can't take away from the fact that. Um, you can be off your game, turn the ball over. It's up to the other team to make the most of it. And again, you've got to give credit to uh, Glasgow and the quality of their uh, the, their attack and their transition and put us under a lot of pressure. So and we have our, we only have ourselves to blame for turning that ball over and uh, and not getting into transition D as as well as we uh, we've we've done in the past. Liam Hegney asked Pat Lamb during the press conference about Andre Bell's uh, loss to the team way too soon to start analysing one game as, as might suggest that but there's so many changes Alan you know not just on the field Ali Muldowney massive loss I think McGinty's a huge loss as well um, and obviously Robbie Henshaw no question he's a loss and then you throw in Bell from the background these are all the things that it's going to take a little bit of a while to get used to of course you know we're, we're just going to have to wait and see that for maybe two or three games I was asked last week you know what was? How would we know how we were going to go this season, or what would be the big thing about the season? I said, well, we'll know after two games, because mm. like we're we're on a very back foot now. This was this was like watching Connacht of really old time. Like the the anecdote we told beforehand about Packy talking, telling his <laughs> telling his our son saying to Packy, oh, "I've never do Connacht always win." Now Packy's on his way home to tell him this. <laughs> this is what it used to be like for Connacht. Um, you know that we 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 just have to. This is where we see how much champions we are. You know. How, where, the next where the game is really, is, really important you know. here because you, you, you nearly give them this one. Poor preseason, all that. Well, you wouldn't give them this one. We're not giving no, them this one. No. It's not good enough. But at the same time, poor preseason. But surely all the processes and everything that they have in place, uh, you know, it's going to come into fruition this week, you'd imagine, and you're going to see some real reaction from them. No I what think happens. you also have to think the success last season meant that there were more Connor players than ever on that international site that mm. went to South Africa, and a result. That means we are missing some of those key players. Turner O'Holler and tonight, Karen Mami most of the match. So we, there's, there's key players there that that are that are missing as well, mm. and that's a result of the success from last season. Um, you know, it, it would be interesting to see what happens next Saturday and what the response is. And Lamb 
said in the press conference that you know expect expect a different a different performance, and yes. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that that we will. Some of the guys that you're talking about there: Jake Heen and Quinn Rue, Craig Ronaldson, John Cooney. That's four names straight away, Dave. That could make a bit of a difference. You mentioned Rue. You could, could have done with him out there. Yeah, given the amount of ball. I mean, the, the big thing about Rue was was that he won some amazing ball against the Saffers and he we lost some terrible ball here against Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray is a fantastic player. Favaro is a fantastic <laughs> player. Ryan Wilson year ago he got lucky with well he did you could argue. I don't think it was a right. But but you know he he has amazing him. Harley is probably the most unlucky guy in Scotland. He can't make the Scotland team, and he was amazing. He's very good. But Queen Rue would have been is our, is the closest thing we have to a, to a to a to, to a big bad Donny in that he's the master of the dark arts. He would have made a difference today, but he's a few weeks away. Ah, look, you have to have an expectation of it getting better next week, but you know it's just seven days. We don't know anymore. Dark arts—they seem to smash us at the breakdown. They turned us over so many times. That the turnover stats are pretty horrendous. Mm. Uh, they did. They seemed almost driven. Oh. Um, I think they had studied us very carefully about, and they, they made the right decisions all the time. They went for ball they felt they could get. They didn't give away, in, I, I wasn't keeping count, but I don't think they gave away a penalty at the breakdown, Glasgow. They gave away a, penalty, gave away a couple of penalties. <laughs> if we were being pedantic, yeah, they did. Well, the break, the break time work was absolutely superb. They never gave away a penalty in their half. It's yeah. always down by our line. But it's always superb, yeah. Lindy, and the line speed and defence is always superb and that was that was what we expected and we saw that in the first half too I thought a few times we had possession we were a bit slow on the ball line speed and defence really scuppered well, well I think so because it made their defence look so good you're almost waiting for that, that break to come someone to you know to the pass to click you know the, the speed but it looked like Glasgow's defence was superb and possibly it was better but it was made to look better because mm. Connacht were just off the boil I agree and the line out struggled quite badly. The scrum was excellent, but the line out struggled quite badly. We never really got decent clean ball all day. Johnny Gray owned us. Yeah, he stole the one five metres from their line in the first yeah. half, which was at a key point. And there was that, the way we lost that ball, even though we've lost line outs before in the 22 last season, but the way we lost that, and there was a couple of other signs. I don't know if you noticed at half time, Alan, people have heard that already, how you felt. I thought there were signs that they weren't good at all at half time. No, the fact that they scored just before halftime, we'd worked so hard, put ourselves back in the game, scored, thought, okay, right now, let's let's see it kick on, and they they just came down and scored straight off again, which was pretty pretty depressing. Like I was trying to convince myself at halftime that we were still in the game, but it was you know when they came out and owned us in the second half for the first ten or fifteen minutes, you sort of knew, yeah, no, this is going to be an awfully long day, and it really was like watching the Connacht of old. Right, to the six people still listening to the, this podcast, uh, thanks for staying with us. <laughs> at least we're outnumbering the amount of people in the podcast. Time for some final thoughts because we've got to move on. Who picked the fantasy rugby team this week? I did. Oh, it was disastrous. I dropped Tommy Seymour last night. He scored two oh. tries. I, dropped, I, I did the same with James Cronin he scored today as well I, I don't even want to look at the rest of it oh. can we put Dave in charge of fancy rugby yeah you week? can do it next week no no, no, no. Well, that's no. the way it works no, we work as a team we all have to work as a team I'm only hearing about the, he picked the team now and he dropped two players who scored twice there's no team in this well there you go <laughs> we just walk in see that's how we're going to do we're going to pass it around okay, going to pass it on to you yeah. we'll never give it to Alan again the, pro- the problem is, is if, if I put Seymour and Cronin back in they're almost guaranteed not to start <laughs> next week yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the problem William any thoughts in the world of rugby that don't relate to the fact that the Pro 12 champions just got an absolute shellacking um, the fact that we now seem to have uh, a TMO from the same country as the referee Yay. 
Which is something listen to Craggy Rugby. Something we've been talking about for a long time. Um, and they have said they're also going to try to have complete teams. Today we had a Welsh TMO, Welsh referee, Welsh assistant referee, one Irish assistant referee. I think it just looks better for the whole competition. Yeah. Uh, they mightn't be able to happen every time, but they are working on it. And of course we have the discussion on Terryland Park. Ooh, I'm going to talk a bit about that. Where did that come from? I don't know where it came from. Uh, somewhere out of left field. Um, I don't know. I I drove up there yesterday. It's it's just not a suitable venue at the moment to deal with the sort of crowds we get here or a bigger crowd. Mm, struggles to deal with 2,000. They'll admit that themselves in terms of the road and terms of parking. For people... Galway people will know where it is. It's 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 a strange location. It's it's quite it's close-ish to the city centre, but it's almost like it's in the country. It's up a very narrow road. There's no street lighting. There's some car parking near it, but there's only one footpath that people can walk along if there's road transport going on. And I would have thought, even for fire engines or ambulances and that sort of stuff, if, if one entrance in and out. I I just don't know where it came from. It it sort of landed from nowhere. And I can't at the moment see anything positive about it. Any thoughts on that, Lindy? I'm not convinced about the venue, but I could envisage a code share between between Galway United and Connor Rugby. But I'm not. I don't necessarily see it being in the Dyke Road. Yeah, just just on that. No one ever asks Galway United about that sharing. They don't need to have a 10,000 seater stadium. They get 1,500, yeah, exactly. 2,000. They don't That's need a stadium that where, big. Where's League of Ireland? If League of Ireland goes to that, wow. <laughs> well, absolutely. It, yeah. might, it might happen. I Hopefully can't see it happening. But, you know, they, they, I think they're aware that their, their limit's probably 5,000. Hmm. They don't need a 10,000 seater stadium. Yeah. Why, would they, why would they get it? It'd be like playing an empty shell. If they got so, 4,000 a week, they'll be a fully solvent, actually quite profitable League of Ireland club. Yeah. So why, why, why would they? So it's always done from one side. You yes. know, yeah. seems like a good idea, but like, but someone please ask Go United. Yeah, and you can get that sometimes when people talk about GA grounds and say, "Oh, why can't McHale Park be available for Connacht?" And you kind of well, start to think. Okay, well, it's Galway United fans. Like that's their that's the big thing. So I, I know it's owned by the Galway FA, and it's you know used every week by all the thing, which I think is fantastic, and it's the way it should be. I'd like to see our ground used a little bit more like that. I know it's rugby and it's different, but you know, um, having kids playing in a bigger place and giving them something to aspire to could you know we could do a, learn a little bit more of that from here. But um, yeah, Dave. There's also one thing that nobody again. It's, it has three sides. It has one end. is basically is something that's half the size of the dog track and has a brick wall. You can, yeah, well, on its it, current I mean, format, it's, it, it cannot, it it's cannot too have, small in its, it's current. Too, it's yeah. too small. All the problems William has have highlighted about getting in and out of it. Yeah. All the problems. Uh, Balance said about the fact that it doesn't get people in. The, the average crowd there is between 1,100 and 1,500. Occasionally, they have had 2,500. The max they ever had there was 4,000. That was a one-off. Um, it's not vi- It's not happening for yeah, at least I, two seasons. I think you're a little bit premature when you say that about Goa United, that its maximum crowd is about 2,000. How many years ago were Connacht Rugby getting yeah, the same the amount? Problem, the problem Goa United have is the league. <laughs> so that's why we're saying that. Yeah. The league of Ireland, and I know this because I follow Limerick in the mm. League of Ireland, uh, like the league is in real trouble. Dundalk are masking a huge problem. We've heard all the debates they've had. I mean, the only, so, so that league will have to make some amazing jumps forward to be getting crowds of that for yeah, all the you're, you're looking at a situation where we saw... 
three or four Lions players out there today yeah. with the in, in Glasgow, and you know you'd like to think possibly one one kind of player might make a break in there. So you're talking about players playing at the very top of their game. Mm. You don't get that with Go United, and that's just because all the best players go to England. And it might be the, the biggest sport in Ireland, probably. It's probably even bigger than the GA still in terms of player numbers, um, but it's not the biggest spectator sport. Which brings me to the final point: we need to, to to kind of wrap this point up. We feel it's a bit of saber rattling as well. It's probably just trying to keep the story in the press. This has been talked about for so long mm. about the situation here between Connacht Rugby and Bordenagon and how this place is set up. Um, I I think it's a bit of kite flying. It might just be shot across the bows to say, look, decisions have to be made. We want Connacht are desperate to move this on. We're well aware of that. Might like tonight kind of show you it can drop off pretty quickly as well. Yes, yes. (laughs) Obviously one game doesn't mean that, but at the same time. But but that's sport. Sport doesn't always go the way you want it to. Um, But this is Connacht's home, and this is, in my view, is where they should be aiming to stay, unless this municipal ground share that's available to everybody comes to fruition. But you can't just magic up a sports stadium overnight. It takes a lot of planning and a lot of organising. So I think we're going to be here for the foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah. This podcast has been about season 10, I think, by the time we get there. Anyways, if we get there, good. All right, uh, what I want to do is round table really quickly. Where did you think Connick were going to finish this morning and where do you think Connick will finish now in the table? You're only allowed to say, like, the positions. This morning. Sixth. Now. Sixth. Alan. Second or third. Now. Second or third. All right, if everyone keeps to their positions. Lily. Semi-finalists. Okay, so what's that? And you Fifth. still think this is there. And now you're going dropping it down. We might slip out. Okay, that's, I like it. Someone moved. Dave. I don't think they were going to fish anywhere this morning. I don't know where they're going to fish. I make absolutely no predictions. Oh, There's no here point. Goes. Here he goes. Okay. Oh. All right, fair enough. But I, if that. I was honest, for months, I still think it's top six. Both. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I was probably the most important thing. Yeah. Is, the, is the top six. Okay. I'm yeah, going to be honest. I still think we're going to get to the playoffs as well. I honestly do. I'm sticking with Alan there. I'm not worried yet. But by God, that was messy. Final thoughts? Anyone got any other business? Yeah. Lindley has any other business? Alan does too. Well done to the Pro 12 and the women linesmen. Oh, yeah, yes. that was good. Assistant referees, even. Assistant referees, yeah. There you go, there you go. Well, yes, good shout, Minnie. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff on that. Welcome to Why Scotland not? for having a referee this weekend. Well done, Scotland, on that as well. <laughs> well done to Stuart Hogg, I want to say, and my any other business, because he had one of the classiest losing interviews I've ever seen in, in rugby or in sport last year after being in tears on the pitch as his side slipped out at semi final stage. He just spoke with such dignity about Connacht and wished him well. And I think today he came here and put in a masterful display. Anyone else want to? Any other business? Yeah, a couple of you know disappointments apart from the game itself. I have to say, I was particularly disappointed with Bundy walking off the field and not clapping the opposition off. I thought that showed a lack of class. Right. Oh, very, I'd be very annoyed at that. You know, I just thought it, when I, when I saw him walking away, I thought, did they do that on the field or something? And I saw them, you know, they do the, the handshake thing, and he kept going, and the rest of the Connacht players stood. And I think there might have been someone else. Someone else might have walked off too, but I would definitely spotted Bundy doing it, and it was a bit disappointing, I have to say. And the other is a slightly prosaic one. It's awful disappointing to look at that goalpost down on the uh, Lockatalia end and see how badly painted it is. The pitch was magnificent today. It looked wonderful, but that goalpost looks awful. <laughs> 
the little things, yeah. Bit of paint. It's like what yeah. most clubs do in the summer. You see them up ladders, <laughs> painting gobos. Someone brings a truck down, they get it done. Well, maybe when they do the video analysis on Monday, somebody will be volunteered to climb up the posts and paint it. Uh, yeah, it does. It's actually number of candidates. It's actually a bit rusty looking. It, it does look like it could do with a little bit of paint. I'd say that's when Mark McHugh used to be clipping shots off it. It's still there from it. For those who are new Connick fans, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose looking ahead to the future, new grounds, I, I, I wonder, we're going to have to start budgeting because at some point, lads, we are going to have to go to games in the States. It looks like they're determined to have games in the States and we will have to go to those games. Okay. <laughs> Craig, you'll sort it out. Craig, you'll sort it out. Thank you, Lindy McKenzie. Thanks, William. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Dave. That's it from us. <laughs>